open your minds to what God would speak to us this morning. Sometimes I struggle with what to preach, especially on special occasions. I don't know whether to preach a, 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 a sermon that's kind of topical or just going with what we've been doing. And uh, I was thinking about that over the last several weeks, actually. And this week we had a storm in Tyler and I had to go to work and a few other folks that work that go to church here had to go to work and uh, uh, kind of threw a wrench in how I normally plan. Uh, but I was sitting at home, uh, we got home early Friday morning, and I got a phone call, and uh, I didn't recognize the number, so I didn't answer it. Now, if you call me, and I don't recognize your number, leave a message, and I'll call you back, but if you don't leave a message, I'm going to assume that it's some uh, telemarketer or looking for my insurance on my vehicle that's got 340,000 miles on it. Uh, that they want to go ahead and give an extended warranty on. So uh, I may let them do that one of these days. But uh, now some of you got this call too. You've already told me this morning. I got a call that, that was an invitation to a service this morning in the Paris area. Now, let me, let me clarify this. Either the person misspoke or I quit listening. It could be either one. But I think the person misspoke, and I, I'm not being critical of that person. I, uh, I think it was a great idea. The phone call said something along the lines, this weekend is Resurrection Weekend, and we want to invite you to come to our church and celebrate the death of Jesus Christ. Now, one of you that got this call said, no, it said the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know this, that uh, they was probably reading off some script. They said, call, let's make a mass call and invite people to come. But, but this person stopped at the death. Well, I've got, that caught my, my ear immediately. And uh, I, I started to run to the phone. It was, it was our home phone. We still have a home phone. Uh, and grab the phone up and say, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> let, me, let me finish that celebration for you. But I didn't, and I was sitting there, and I thought, you know, what do I want to preach on? What would God use uh, on a special occasion today? And I thought about celebrating Christ's death. Well, that falls way short of why we're here this morning, doesn't it? And in Romans chapter 5, I got to thinking about death, and I got to thinking about three faces of death. And so this morning, I hope you don't say, oh, great, he's going to preach on death this morning. But I am, okay? But stay with me uh, throughout this, uh, this message this morning. Uh, you've probably all heard this saying at one time or another. I was young when I heard it, and uh, I've heard it many times since then. I don't know where I heard it from originally. But the saying was a quote from Benjamin Franklin who said this, the only thing certain in life is death and taxes. We've all heard that, haven't we? The only thing certain in life is death and ta is taxes. When Benjamin Franklin said that, uh, it was like in this world nothing is certain. We can't be certain of anything except death and taxes. Uh, but most of us has heard that, and there is an element of truth in there, but I don't want to talk about taxes this morning. Uh, I want to talk about death this morning, and there's not one person here this morning who's not been affected or touched by death in one way or another. Every, nearly, Well, I would say every one of us here 
uh, whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether it be an acquaintance, we have all been affected by this phenomenon called death. So it's something we all deal with. It's touched the lives of everyone that's ever lived. Uh, Forrest Gump's mama said it, it, death is just a, a part of living, you know, it's just a part of life. And that is also a true statement. Uh, death is a, is a part of life. It's part of living. It's a part of things we deal with in life. So as long as we continue to be in this world, we're going to still be dealing with that subject. So as long as we're here, we might as well talk about it. No doubt death is a sad topic. Nobody really wants to talk about it. We try to avoid it. Uh, we try to explain it away. And here lately, we, we can find all kinds of jokes about it. And I think it's just a way for folks to kind of, kind of downplay that ideal of death. But, but Mr. Franklin was right. We, we'll face death. And, and I want to say this morning that death is not a respecter of persons. Uh, it, it's not. You, you go to a grave or you could go right out here behind the, the church into this cemetery and, and you can find all kinds of different sizes graves and you can look at dates and, and I, I kind of enjoy doing that sometimes. You know, go to an old cemetery and find a really old date. But the sad thing is you find tombstones of, of folks that, that lived for a hundred years or hundreds uh, plus years, or you find children that live for days or weeks or months or years, and every spectrum in between. Death is not a respecter of persons. The, uh, there's, there's all different types. Human beings, we try to avoid it. We try to avoid death, uh, try as we may, try as hard as we can. Uh, death is, is something we deal with, and it is kind of a morbid subject. But this morning, we're going to look at a couple of different deaths, but we're going to end on a positive note. So uh, usually, you probably won't go to uh, work tomorrow and stand around the water cooler and, and say, well, let's talk about death today. You're probably not going to do that. Uh, but that is still something I want to talk about. One thing that death does... It leaves us with questions sometimes, a lot of questions, and uh, questions like, why, do, why did God take this person? I mean, that's, that's a question that I hear a lot. You know, this is a good person. This is uh, whatever, put your, uh, put your description in there. Why does God take that person? Uh, we hear this a lot. Well, they're going to a better place. You know, sometimes that's true. Too sadly, uh, it's not always true, but most folks always feel like it's that that's the case. And, and uh, sometimes it's too late when people begin to think about death. Sometimes folks don't think about death until the loved one's gone. And then at that point, they start thinking about death and what does death really mean. And, and Hebrews 9.27 says this, We have an appointment to die. Now, now again, you're thinking, man, I could have went to First Baptist Church and I bet they talk about something more positive. I don't know what they're talking about, but, uh, but, but I want us to really understand that the Bible says it is appointed once for man to die. We're going to, we're, if, unless Christ comes back, and I think He could any time, amen? Unless Christ comes back, uh, the Bible says those of us who are still alive when Christ returns will be caught up together with those who have died and will meet Christ in the air. But, but if Christ doesn't return, uh, we need to understand we're going to face that. I think the hardest part about death is losing the person that passed from here on earth. We, we lose that person and we think about, you know, what a tragic event that is and, and we, 
we think about the things they'll miss. Oh, they're going to miss this, and they're going to miss that. And, and I could have, I've got personal stories about that very thing, about things that my mother has missed and my dad has missed out on. And, and because death has came, so it's, it's a tragic event often. And, and we do think about the people dying lots of ways. And, and we think about sickness, and we think about accidents, and it ranges from infants to older folks, and all of those different things. But, but where did death come from? I think sometimes we get mad at God when somebody we love dies, but where did death really come from? In Romans chapter 5, that question is answered. In Romans chapter 5, and drop down to, to verse 12, and here's what it says, Therefore, just as sin entered through one man, and death through sin... In this way, death comes to all men because all have sinned. So where did death come from? Paul's writing here and he says, death and sin entered the world through one man. Who is that man? It's Adam, okay? So death and sin came through Adam. That's where it came from. And that is the fall of man and and. Through Adam, we all experience that. I want to go ahead and look at a couple of scriptures in there. Uh, and I, you, They may not be on the overhead, but in, in Romans chapter 5, starting out in verse uh, 15, it says, uh, For uh, if by many died by the transgressions of one man, it's talking about Adam again, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came of the grace for the, through the man Jesus Christ has overflowed to many. So, Paul says, hey, even though death came to one through one man, life also comes through one man. That's Jesus Christ. So Paul explains that. He says in verse 8, Consequently, just as a result of one trespass was condemned condemnation for all men. Just that one sin condemned all men. Also, the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life to all men. What Paul says, again, he, he, he says this over at three times in this one passage of Scripture. Hey, the sins that brought death to one man, Jesus Christ's grace brings life to one man. The, uh, the, the result of one trespass, the result of one sin condemned the whole of mankind, just as the act of one act of righteousness, which was Jesus Christ, brings life to all men. So we think about death, but we need to realize death came through man, but life comes through Jesus Christ. And that's what we celebrate, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the, the defeating of death and the resurrection of the Jesus Christ. But here are the three deaths that we look at today. And the first is this, is a physical death. So the physical death, this is the death that brings sorrow to our hearts. That physical death, it brings sorrows to our heart. It's the death that, that refers to only the physical body, the, the physical body of who we are. It means the separation of the body from the spirit, okay? Now, I'm not talking about a spiritual death right now. I'm talking about a physical death. It separates the body from the spirit. We're alive in our spirit. Our body is just a, is just a, a shell. I, I was reminded of this preacher that, that was talking about a man who had died, and he was trying to, to convey this point. And, and the, the widow was sitting there, and he said, the, uh, 
the the man is gone, the body is gone, and only the nut remains. You know, and uh, she thought, well, that's not very nice to say, but but he was trying to say, hey, the body's just a nut. It's just a shell that we live in, and our spirit is what is alive. And when we die, our physical death, our our spirit is separated from our body. And only this nut remains. And, and again, Hebrews 9, 27 says, we have an appointment for that. So this kind of death is the death that was brought about by sin, that physical death. Way back in the Garden of Eden, it came about. And, and we have Adam to thank for that. And look, look in Genesis chapter 2, 15 through 17. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. Now, I didn't look all of these passages up, and it says the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and take care of it. I'm reading off our board back here. Keep going, verse 16. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from every tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the garden of good and knowledge and evil, for when you eat from it, you shall certainly die. Okay, and then again in James 1.15, it says, Then when lust has conceived, it brought forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. That's, a, that's another passage that, that James is saying, Hey, when we have sinned, it brings forth death, and that death, again, is a physical death. Now, we need to understand from our text that uh, the sin that we're talking about is, is the sin of Adam. It's not a second or third sin. It's not some other kind of death, but it's it's the sin that came from Adam. It's a death that we inherited but from Adam. In Romans 5, 19, it says, for by one man's disobedience, we are all made sinners. Now, I've said that about three times. I want you to understand this, that we are sinners not because of our actions necessarily. We are sinners because we inherited a sinful nature. We inherited it from Adam. Over and over and over, God's Word has said, through one man's sin, through one man's trespasses, through one man's disobedience. He's talking about through Adam, through that one man, we inherited death. We inherited sin. We're sinners, of course, because we commit sins, but we're sinners by nature. That's who we are by nature. I, I've said this before about, you know, when, when we have children, we have babies, they, we don't have to teach them to lie or cheat or steal or be selfish. Why? Because they have a sinful nature. They've inherited that sinful nature. And, and we as adults, we still have that sinful nature and, and some folks still live like children. I mean, they're adults, but they still have that, that same ideal and, and we're sinners by nature. So our sin does not necessarily make us sinners. It does, but, but our acts of sin makes us sinners. But we're inherited sin. We're in the state of sin. And I think that's important for us to understand. In other words, we have sin imputed on our account. You know, if you go, uh, this, this, if you work at the bank, don't take this personally because I know there's rules and laws you have to do, but I took a check and I was going to put it in my son's account. Isn't that nice of me as a dad? Y'all tell him how nice that was. He's here this morning. Now, this was several years ago and he was in college, but uh, they said, you can't do that. I said, what? And they said, you can't do that. You, you, can't, you can't take your check and put it in his account. And I said, that makes absolutely no sense. And I did say, for future clarification, if anybody wants to put a check in my account, I'm giving you the okay to say, it's all right. He said, it's all right if you do that. But 
there was a process you had to go through. But when we look at that word imputed, that's really what it means. It means this has been added to your account. So we need to understand that sin has been added to our account. It's been imputed upon us through Adam. Now, we're not going to study this passage of Scripture, but the Bible says this, Jesus Christ's death, His blood and His burial and His resurrection, when we accept Him, has been imputed to our account. So, so we, have a, we have something that Christ says, you know what, I'm going to put this in your account when you accept me as your personal Savior. So, but we, we're all sinners. That, that nature that's been passed down over, over generations is, is the sin of man. That's why the virgin birth is so important. I'm just rolling all this stuff. I'm rolling Christmas and everything into this message this morning. But, but hey, the virgin birth is important because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin and a man's DNA and blood was never within him. You know, the, the, the man gives the, the, the traits and the, uh, the, the autonomy, the, the history of the child. Did y'all know that? If you send your, uh, if you send your blood into, uh, uh, to have your ancestry done. They used the trait that came from the man, and I think it's that Y chromosome. I didn't write that down, but they take that and they, they, they can trace your ancestry through that. That's the trait that you use. Well, Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He was conceived by, by God the Spirit, so He does not have a sinful nature. That's the only way Jesus Christ could die for our sins because He did not inherit a sinful nature down through man. His father was perfect. He didn't have a sinful nature. So so we think about that, and we're sinners because we inherited Christ through the virgin birth. He was able to pay the sin of death. Now, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. If Christ had came uh, through the lineage of death, through the lineage of sin, His death would only have paid for Him. But He came as a perfect lamb, and His death was able to make atonement for our sins. Now, because we all have that nature, according to the Scripture, we physically die. So if we say, well, I, I don't understand death, and I don't understand why God allows us to die, and I don't understand... Well, know this, it's because of sin that we die. Now, it's not because of our sin. Well, it's not because we sin, God is punishing us. It's simply because we are sinners. Death has entered the world. Physical death has entered this world. And the Bible says this, after death is what? Hebrews 9.27 says this, is judgment. Now listen, if you have somebody that likes to be argumentative, and they say, hey, I believe when you die, you just go in the ground and that's the end. I believe that. I believe that's the end of it. Then you could take all the Bible and prove that wrong, but you can say, hey, I believe that too, because it says in Hebrews 9, 27, that is appointed once for man to die. But if that's the end, why does it have, and after that, the judgment? Because we need to understand death is not the end for anyone. It's not the end for the saved person. It's not the end for the lost person. Death is simply the, the physical death of this body and the spirit leaving this body. And our, body, our spirit is made, uh, and it's going to live for all eternity. 
not just the Christian spirit. Every spirit is going to live for all eternity. And, and the same applies to that. Just think about reincarnation. That's another myth that, that the person comes back as an animal or comes back as some, uh, some other being or other, other things say, well, the spirit, okay, it never dies, but it has to roam around and indwell in some other body. And then at some point when that, when that body dies, it wanders around. You know, there's people that really believe that. I, I can believe that Jesus Christ died and was buried and resurrected again, then I can, uh, there's a possum out there that's old Uncle Ben, you know, from years ago. I can't, no way, I can't believe that. I don't have enough faith to believe something like that. So we need to understand that, that when our death comes, our physical death, that our spirit is, leaves our body. Where do we go as Christians when we die? Second Corinthians says we are confident. I say and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. If you're a born-again Christian, Paul says, hey, with confidence I can say this. When, our, when this body dies, when our physical death comes, we'll be absent from this body, but we will be present with the Lord. What about those who are not saved? Well, I believe in Luke chapter 16. That's the latter part of verse 22 and the first part of 27 talks about the rich man and Lazarus. I talked about him last week. And it says the rich man died, he was buried, and from hell he lifted up his eyes and he was looking into heaven. You know, there's no gray area there. There's no reincarnation there. There's no uh, soul sleep there to where we can pray somebody piece by piece into heaven. And there's groups that believe that, that, that you just go and you start praying for someone and slowly over time their body gets brought into heaven. That is not in the Bible. There's, there's only two options. It's this, this day and for all eternity, and that's those two that we read, to be absent from the body as a Christian, to be in the presence of the Lord, but to be without Christ is died and buried, and then from hell he lifted up his eyes. Here's the second death that the Bible talks about. It talks about a spiritual death. Now this death, that first death, brings sorrow to us. I said it brings sorrow to, 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 to us on earth, our, our, that physical death. This, this death brings sorrow to God's heart. That physical death to our heart, but this spiritual death to God's heart. I think I've probably said this before that when a person uh, dies and, and if that person goes to hell, they're eternally separated from God, and that is the second death. I think I've probably made that statement. You know what? I'm not really sure after studying this that that's a complete true statement, okay? Because I won't, I, I say, they say confession's good for the soul, and I'm, I still learn. I learn stuff when I read the Bible. I learn stuff when I study the Bible, just like hopefully you learn some things when you read the Bible, when you come to uh, Sunday school or you come to service, you pick up some things here and there. But when I begin to study this and, and think about what this really means, I think, I think what I have left out is this. When we're lost... We are spiritually dead. It, 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 it's not a time that, we, that we're thinking about, well, when this person died, they died spiritually. Because the Bible teaches that that second death is like that spiritual death. We're already dead. If we've never accepted Christ, we're already dead spiritually. And what? That breaks the heart of God. When we're, when we're spiritually dead, that spirit of death is being, is being separated from God. Now, listen to that. And believe it or not, I'm getting close to finishing, all right? So hang with me. 
that, that second death, it's being separated from God. If we are lost, God will not look upon sin. Therefore, we're separated from God. That's the second death. That's that death that, that breaks the heart of God. And, and if you look at John chapter 3, verse 18, John 3, 18, it says this. We all know John 3, 16. And, and thinking about being, being brought to life, it says, whoever believes in Him, Jesus Christ, is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is already condemned, for he does not believe in the name of God's one and only Son. That, that Scripture says this, we're, we're already spiritual dead when we don't believe in Jesus Christ, when we've not accepted Him as a personal Savior. We're already dead. Those of us that believe in Jesus Christ that accept, and it's more than believing, it's accepting as, as our personal Savior. Those who accept Christ and believe in Christ, they're made alive in Christ. Then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 down through 5, it says, As for you, you were dead in your sins. This is before you were saved. You were already dead. Dead in your sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air and the spirit that now is at work with you and those who are disobedient. And all of us also lived among them at one time. Paul says we've all been there. We've all fallen short. We've all failed. We've all lived after the lust of the earth. We were all living there at one time gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts like the rest. Listen, we were by nature children of wrath. But don't stop there. Don't call and say, come celebrate the death of Jesus. Verse 4 says, but because of His great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ while we were dead in our transgressions, and it's by His grace that we're saved. Isn't that great? Paul says we were already dead. We had already broken the heart of God. We had already fallen short of God's mark. But God, who was rich in mercy, sent His Son that we could be made alive in Christ. No longer dead, but alive in Christ. And the last death is that eternal death. This is the death that brings sorrow to God and to the Christian's heart. That final death, that third eternal death. This death is eternal separation from God. Wow, just imagine that for a moment. Just imagine for a moment that separation to be eternally separated from love. I mean, don't think about the earth or, or just think about being eternally separated from love. The Bible says God is love. We only know how to love through God. That's how we learn to love, to be totally separated from that, to be eternally separated from the one who, who gave us his only son. There's a verse in Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, or verse 5 says, but I, but I will forewarn you whom, ye, whom you should fear. Fear him after which hath killed the power to cast out into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Now, book of Matthew is a little clearer what we understand. Matthew 10, 28 says, Fear not them who can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. He's talking about the fear of Christ. He says, you know, don't be afraid of men that can simply kill your body. He says, we need to, we need to make preparations. We need to think about 
Fearing Jesus Christ, fearing God the Father, not, not in a fear that we think about, but in an awe and a reverence of recognizing that God is the one who brings life to the body, who brings life to the soul, and that's who we need to be thinking about. If you're saved, you don't have to worry about that eternal death. If you're saved, that's not something we have to deal with. Remember when God said on the cross, when Jesus said on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a picture of God turning his back on his only son. I thought about if your son was suffering, if your son was hurting, and he was crying out to you, and you simply just turned your back on him and let the wrath of the world come upon him. That's what God did. God, the Bible says God turned his back upon his only son when he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders. God turned away and, and Jesus Christ took our sins. He took my sins. He took your sins. And he took them and he paid the price. And he cried out during that time, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because God separated himself from his son that we might have fellowship with God. That's why God did that. He separated Himself that we might have fellowship with God. I, uh, I, don't want to, I don't want you to leave bummed out today, saying, boy, we had a message this morning, it was all about death, and what a message, and, and boy, that really cheered me up on Easter Sunday, you know, to go and listen to somebody talk about death. I want you to understand this. For us to really live, for us to really live, for us to say, you know what, I have sunshine in my soul. I, uh, I'm, I'm uh, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. I serve a risen Savior. For us to truly live, we have to die first. And we have to die to self. And we have to say, okay, God, in myself, I have no power to overcome my sin. In myself, I don't have the ability to live as I need to live. But God, I want to take your blood of Jesus Christ, and I want you to put it in my account, and I want to claim what you did for me on the cross, and I want you to put it in my account that I might celebrate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here today. We're here today because Jesus Christ defeated death. Jesus Christ defeated hell. Jesus Christ defeated all the things that separated us from God, and He offered it to us as a gift. He said, hey, I've won the battle. I've done all the work. Here's your gift. Here's your ticket to heaven. Y'all know what VJ Day is? What is VJ Day? Somebody yell it out. Victory Japan. Any, are any of y'all, were any of y'all here when the VJ Day papers come out? Oh, some of y'all are lying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, y'all have all seen that picture of Times Square and that soldier kissing that girl in that white dress. You know, that was VJ Day. And, and that just meant, hey, we have victory over our enemy. We have victory over our enemy. And, and since then, there's been a lot of V Days come out. But, but all of them simply mean this, have victory over the enemy. And when Jesus Christ was resurrected, it was, it was VJ Day. It was Victory in Jesus Day. We sang, I heard an old story about a Savior that came from glory and gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. But I have victory in Jesus. We have victory over death in Jesus. When we die from this earth and we face these deaths, there's, there's two deaths that, that we have that we think about. There's an eternal death that you know what? We never need to face. 
We never need to face that eternal death. Some of us already have that second death, that death that, that really we've never accepted Christ as our personal Savior. And that's why we're here today. I want to ask you to bow your heads. I want you to give some thought to this. Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Now listen, some people say this. Boy, that preacher or that person that came to my door, there's even a joke. Somebody knocks on your door and say, well, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And the joke is you're like, oh, great. You know, this is, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to that. You know what that is? That's a person telling you, I love you enough that I'm offering to you the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said. He said, I, I've taught you the gospel. I've given you the gospel of Jesus Christ that you might have life. Folks, don't, don't leave her today saying, man, that, I, I hate when they get up there and they, they ask people to accept Christ. You know what? I love you enough to say there's just two options. You're saved or you're lost. Sometimes we count on what other people think. But you and you alone, you and you and God knows if you've ever accepted Christ, your personal savior. If you've ever had that victory in Jesus that we talk about, Resurrection Sunday... The power to defeat Satan, the power to defeat sin, the power to overcome death, we find today on Resurrection Sunday. The most important day of a Christian life is what we celebrate today. We're going to have a song of invitation. We're going to have one verse because right now you already know if God is calling you. Now here's the tough part. There's a million excuses. Boy, there's a lot of people here today or my family thinks I've accepted Christ, or, man, I can come up with all these excuses. But you know what? That's the way of Satan that says, you know, not today. The Bible says this, Ring the bells of heaven, there's joy today for a soul returning from the dead, from the grave. See, the Father meets him out upon the way. And, and you know what that song's talking about? It's talking about joy in heaven. If God the Father right now is wooing you and calling you, He's ready to have a celebration in heaven over one who would come to Him as a personal Lord and Savior. I want to pray a prayer with you this morning. If you've never accepted Christ, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Let me tell you this. If you've accepted Christ, you don't need to pray this prayer. Sometimes I've heard preachers do this, and I think, well, I'll go ahead and pray it just in case. That's a prayer not born in your heart. That's just a prayer that you're going to pray. If God has given you a desire this morning to accept Him as your personal Savior, there's no magic in the words, but I want to invite you to join me in this word of prayer, and it's simply this. Father, I know I've sinned, and I know I've fallen short of the mark that You've given me. And Father, I want to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, I want to ask for forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want you to, to give me that in my account. I believe that Christ died for my sins. I believe that He was risen from the dead. And I believe I can have victory in Christ. And Lord, I ask you to come into my heart. And Father, I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.